0: question period is up and we have a question already Uh, we would like to invite Jennifer back and uh, please uh, keep your comments uh, fairly brief. Uh, Remember it's a question period not a comment period. So uh, let's go.
1: Hi Jennifer my name is Henning Mundel. you really uh, brought a lot of things out to think about and by the way, I know you're good with cartoons. I want to suggest that you're, uh, what was it, a motion continuum?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you do that heavy exercise, maybe it should be a circle. Anyway, back to sleep. Anyway, uh, by the way, Winston Churchill used Standing Up. He wrote his book, Standing Up. That's oh, quite a long time see? ago. That's good too. Uh, and at the research station for my workers in the, in the field house for doing the seed weight and so on, we always had a rubber mat, and we had a, a, a stool like this so they could change their positions. Yeah. My main question, though, concerns about the in-between between standing and sitting and whether there are any data on it. Yes. For the last 30 years since I fractured a vertebrae, I've been doing kneeling, and I use a kneeler. And I've used it at the office, I use it at home, and so on. And um, the ergonomic data indicate that there's less than half or even a third of the pressure on the lower back in terms of inflammation when you do the kneeling. Of course I have to get up about every hour or so on because so my knees don't get stiff. But I wonder is there any data on uh, relation to the kneeling on some of the other things you're talking about versus just standing or
2: sitting?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah good question thank you. Um, So the answer is not really so I've read a little bit of that uh, ergonomic data as well because that's where some of those recommendations come out of Um, and and they suggest uh, one of the issues is that and this is true about standing or sitting or anything in between when we do anything for too long we end up ultimately losing the right posture, right? So ergonomics fall apart. So you might start out sitting perfectly well at your desk and then, I mean this happens to me all the time, an hour later I, I realize I'm, you know, doing this. Uh, and I have a standing desk and I love it, but if I stand too long, all of a sudden I notice about an hour later, I'm actually, right? Like, exactly. Um, but too long in that is also associated, you mentioned knees, right? So I guess the point I'm trying to make is most of the evidence suggests that changing posture frequently is beneficial. And so that's why my recommendation is about accumulating that one-to-one ratio. But, and, and remember I said sitting, sitting to not sitting. I didn't say specifically just standing. Uh, sitting and not sitting uh, in little intervals. So frequently changing posture seems to be really beneficial from a musculoskeletal. Uh, perspective and also uh, for an attention perspective there's some evidence that has been shown. In terms of your question about some of the stuff that I've shown with uh, you know health risks for things like cardiovascular disease and diabetes, we don't have those data yet. Our tools for measure, so first of all there probably aren't very many people that kneel uh, like for prolonged periods of time so we wouldn't have a very big sample. Uh, And second of all our, and this is you know this is a research issue, but our ability to measure these things is still fairly limited. A lot of the data that I showed you are just from asking people, right, how much do you sit, which is actually really hard for people to remember. Um, So I emphasize the ones with the accelerometers, but even those have some problems. So uh, we have new uh, accelerometers uh, now that you can buy. They're very expensive. I'm about to get... 10, I'm very excited, um, that actually attach, instead of wearing them like a pedometer, they actually attach to your leg, uh, and you keep them on for a week, and they actually measure, not just whether you're moving or not moving, but they actually measure body position, so they can tell if you're sitting, standing, kneeling, whatever, because they, they move with the position of your leg. So as technology advances, technology uh, advances. I think we'll be able to answer more uh, sophisticated questions, but for right now, uh, like, I don't think there's actually any evidence to answer your question beyond the ergonomic, uh, data. Thanks for your talk,
4: Jennifer. Leona Jacobs. Um, I grew up on a farm, and, um, so, the idea of consciously going out and exercising was a foreign concept to Mm me. Um, until, of course, I had to go and do it, because I had a sedentary lifestyle. Mm so my question has, or actually, I'm, asking, I'm looking for your comment on the trend towards automating work mm-hmm. and what that means in terms of the little, the little bit of movement we do get and, and how you see that playing out.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is, Leona, this is in fact one of the problems is, and one of the reasons uh, why there's such interest in this is that the phenomena of sitting for nine to ten hours a day uh, is relatively recent in human history. Really, that's, that's something that, that is relatively new. Uh, and so of course what we see coinciding with that, right, are these crazy upward trends in type 2 diabetes, uh, in obesity and things like that. And so, so there is some interest in, you know, is this, is this ultimately the problem? That we're, we're engineering muscle contractions right out of our day Uh, for everyone. There was a time that occupations you know were mostly active and there were a few you know lucky people who had uh, you know more of an office job and now they're they're it's shifting totally the other way. Uh, So but yeah so from a research perspective there's all kinds of interesting questions about occupational activity versus leisure time activity Um, and so I think we have a lot to understand but I would say there's no question that the automation uh, that has sort of exploded in the last, you know, 50 years is is a key negative influence on health in the population. I would say that with some confidence.
5: Hi. <clears throat> Heather Oxman. Um, thanks for a great talk. Uh, I have two questions. My first question is, You noted in your talk that women are more sedentary than men by a slight margin. I was very surprised by that statistic given that they have to chase children for a part part of their life. So I'd like you to comment on the reasons why women would be more sedentary. And secondly, can you talk a little bit about um, mobility uh, problems with aging and how to uh, make... um, um, help seniors with mobility problems be more active. Mm-hmm. As an aging person myself, I have a bad knee, mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to get out for 30 minutes in a walk when I can barely walk around my
3: house. Mm-hmm. So, two. Very different questions. I'll tackle them separately. Uh, so, the first question uh, so, I, I'm actually personally fairly interested in uh, sex and gender differences in some of these behavioral outcomes. So, those were, uh, that was a very specific uh, set of data, right? So, that was the Canadian Health Measures Survey, uh, and those data were analyzed in a very specific way. If you look at other studies, uh, and I could name a bunch, it's really mixed. Some show men more sedentary, some show women more sedentary. So I wouldn't actually say uh, confidently, you know, women are more sedentary than men. Now, physical activity, unfortunately, we have pretty solid and consistent data that women get less physical activity than men across the lifespan. Uh, and that's been shown consistently in many different countries, and many different studies. So I feel a bit more confident uh, with that one, and it's interesting data to look at. Um, in children, it happens right around puberty. They're about the same, boys, little boys and girls are about the same, and right around puberty, uh, there's a divergence that is pretty much maintained throughout life in terms of physical activity. Sedentary time, uh, I wouldn't say we know that yet, and I think it depends on a lot of factors. And I think, and again, this makes for boring public talk, but I think it's a research design and a a research methodology issue in many cases, right? So we're still working on how best to measure sedentary behavior in the population. And so I think until we are confident that we have, um, you know, sort of a perfect way to do that or a close to perfect way to do that, I wouldn't uh, say with great confidence that I could uh, give you the demographics in terms of men versus women. Another one that's quite consistent, though, is uh, increasing sedentary time with increasing age. That one has been very consistent, Uh, but the men versus women, that was one particular data set. I could show you other ones that show it the other way around, so... Uh, So, second question was about... Yeah, so... So my background is actually, I'm an exercise physiologist. My background is in exercise um, and my dissertation and much of my work has always focused on aging. So I'm very interested in that topic. This is actually how I came to suddenly be, a, you know, a sedentary physiologist instead of just an exercise physiologist is because I think that um, when you get to populations who for a variety of reasons are do not accumulate a lot of vigorous physical activity, then the research on sedentary behavior Becomes even more relevant and more important Uh, and I I actually think related to your question that that's what makes this so interesting so now we're saying if you so it's pretty daunting to tell someone who has a bad knee or has some mobility issues that they need to you know go jogging for an hour every day in order to uh, improve their health and so now we can start smaller right so actually if you just Try to never sit continuously for more than half an hour without standing up, moving around, stretching like you all did. I loved that. You guys should do that every time. Uh, So doing some light movement uh, and start incorporating, start that way. And then we have some reason to believe that your mobility might start to improve, right? That these prolonged periods of sitting are in fact making the mobility problems worse. So, then, so this is in part why I'm actually so interested in the topic of sedentary behavior as it relates to healthy aging, because I think it's a feasible, palatable starting point for many people to break up sitting time with light activity, as opposed to telling everyone they need to hit you know, a spin class every day kind of thing, right? So, yeah.
4: Not for me. <laughs> Bev Latherstone, thank you very much for your provocative talk. <coughs> So it seems like your data simply says that we are, we Homo sapiens we were really built for hunting and gathering, and uh, we should continue uh, hunting and gathering. That's that's the way that we uh, we feel the best. And um, uh, I just found it interesting that you're a long distance runner because uh, all my my physician and uh, all my old friends who've been runners their lives their whole lives have something replaced knees or knees or uh, hips, but my questions are two um... one is are you telling us that if we just if we just didn't have the remote and we got up and we turn on or off the tv or change the channels just that just that exercise itself would be good enough and um... and the other question is a research question and that is <coughs> uh... in the subcontinent of india they find that people squat on their haunches. Mm. Um, That's how they wait in line for buses and for all kinds of things, hours and hours long. Would that be better than sitting?
3: Okay, there were a lot of things to address in there. Okay, so you guys are going to have to help uh, remind me because I'm I'm not going to let the running uh, injuries one go by. I've got to take that opportunity. Um, Can anyone remember what the first part was? Now I've... Hunters and gatherers, right. So, uh, you know, so I'm not going to... I'll bring some uh, some of my colleagues from the U to answer that question maybe. I'm not going to say too much about that. I will say that I don't think we should, uh, you know, romanticize that stuff too much because if you look at the life expectancy of a hunter-gatherer compared to our current life expectancy, uh, we're, we're, we're better off now, I would say. Uh, so, so I don't... Uh, I certainly don't mean to suggest that we should be, you know, out on the prairie, hunting down our dinner all day uh, or gathering our dinner all day. I'm not sure that that's the answer. But I do think that, and I think this is common in uh, human history, that we've swung too far the other way, possibly, right? So, so maybe so. So uh, running, injuries... I could spend a. I could give. I could come back and give another talk on that. Uh, I will confirm for you that there is no good evidence that running itself uh, is associated with the failure of joints like knees and hips. If there are, uh, it is a very healthy activity. Uh, but so if people have, so the predi- greatest predisposing factor to those kinds of issues are injury. So in fact, uh, team sports and field-based sports would trump running about tenfold in terms of needing joints replaced um, because injury is the factor. And so if you have people that have sort of poor biomechanics uh, that predispose them to risk of injury anyway, then you might see that kind of thing. But running in and of itself has actually been shown to be beneficial to joint health as we age. Um, What was the, so? Remote control first, yeah, so, so, not good enough, is not what I would say. Uh, this, is, like, this is what Canood wanted me to tell him, is that all he had to do was go regularly to the fridge for a beer and everything would be okay. <laughs> uh, and and I would not uh, confirm that. So I, as I said, I still think that uh, the number one thing that you can do for your health is is meet those minimum physical activity guidelines. So get 150 minutes at a minimum of moderate to vigorous. And so remember, moderate can be a brisk walk, cycling, and it can be, it doesn't have to be done all at once. It can be accumulated 10 minutes bouts, right? So, so it is achievable as you work towards it. However, uh, Do I think the remote control was a bad invention? Yes, I do, actually. Um, Because now you uh, have the capacity to sit and watch TV without moving for hours. So at least you had to... Stand up, change the channel, and usually, inevitably, that would lead to what? Something else. Perhaps you might wander somewhere else and break up that sitting time. So back to my point about sitting is not the new smoking. I'm not telling you you should never sit, but I am telling you you should break it up as much as possible. You shouldn't do it for long periods of time. And any kind of invention that we've come up with, like the remote control, that allows us to sit even longer without moving is inevitably probably a bad thing squatting so i don't know about that actually so i'm i'm never one to make up an answer to something that i don't know uh and so i don't know i suspect that like anything like all of the things that we've talked about standing sitting uh moving uh too much continuous unbroken uh is probably has some negative consequences um but in general i think More frequent squatting has to be associated with maintaining better mobility uh, as we age. Certainly better than all the sitting that we do in our society. So how about some squatting, but not squatting for hours as you suggested. I suspect that leads to problems too. But I don't, I'll say I'm making that up, I don't know. (laughs)
5: Good makeup. Uh, Mary Shillington. Thanks, Jennifer. It's very helpful. As a person who had a number of surgeries, including a replacement knee, I have discovered a whole variety of exercises that are helpful, and I've put them together from a variety of sources, from physio, from other places. Mm -hmm. So um, my question is related to strengthening activity. Uh, I use some weights to do some things. Mm -hmm. So what else do you regard as strengthening activity? Could you give us some suggestions, please?
3: Sure. Um, Yeah, so I'm a big proponent of strengthening activities and I do always like to point out, I think I forgot to today, so thank you for the question, uh, that that doesn't necessarily mean going to the gym and lifting weights, right? There are other ways to strengthen our muscles that don't uh, involve that necessarily. Um, So so you mentioned having some hand weights and things, anything that provides resistance that your muscles uh, have to work against. So that can be body weight. So there's a large number of, you know, I'm not going to get up here and demo any, um, but there's lots of body weight uh, resistance type exercises that a person can do, you know, squatting in and out of a chair uh, and Not necessarily full push-ups, but variations on push-ups against a wall. Um, Lifting and carrying things. Walking uphill, right, is good for actually... Providing some stimulus for strengthening muscles in the lower limbs and the calf and that kind of thing. So there are options uh, for strengthening beyond just, you know, sort of power lifting at the gym. And the internet is a fantastic source of these kinds of things, right? If you Google sort of home-based strength training or home-based strength training exercises for seniors, you will find an endless stream of possibilities with videos uh, showing you what to do. So they can be quite simple. Um, and something you can do in your living room while you're watching TV. Even.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm Trevor Page. Looking into the very near future and the advent of artificial intelligence and robotics, I'm wondering whether we need hunter-gatherer bodies. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned that standing up I think you mentioned that standing up one is a little more creative. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you could elaborate a little on that. But my main question is, are you aware of any studies where you correlate brain activity to healthy bodies? I mean, if we've got robots to do everything for us, should we be, or will we be focusing on just expanding our brains? Mm -hmm. Do we need healthy bodies
3: okay I'm gonna do my best with this one um, so my comment about standing in creativity again I like to clarify I'm not I don't like to speak uh, outside my expertise too much so just to clarify this is not my area I've read a few studies and I actually mostly like post them for my students to convince them that uh, that they should think about standing up a little bit more. Um, so definitely there are a few studies, and I don't know this literature very well, but that uh, have shown that uh, prolonged periods of any body posture, but so prolonged periods of sitting compared to some standing and moving uh, you're, is associated with more effective work, better focus. Some studies have shown that people are, so they do, you know, simple studies. Um, one of them that I have that I shared with my students is, they did uh, just like a, a simple psychological test that was testing reaction time and accuracy using a simple sort of computer-based test. And they had people do it sitting and they had people do it standing and they were better at it when they were standing. So some, some suggestion then, so that's, that's a long stretch to, to go from uh, one of those simple tests of reaction time and accuracy to you know complex work. But certainly some evidence that motor activity is in fact related to brain activity possibly. So that's kind of why I say that, uh, that I think, and I think that research is ongoing and there'll be more stuff. So regarding your point about you know artificial intelligence and you know maybe we don't need to, I, I think you said maybe we don't need to worry about our healthy bodies, is that what you said? No. Yeah.
2: between healthy
3: and expanding brain? I am not, uh, aware of that at all, but I, so I guess I don't know the answer to that one, but I will say that, uh, there is absolutely a relationship, uh, between activity and a moving body and a healthy body and things like affect, uh, mood. Uh, quality of life and these kinds of factors that are arguably more important than your risk for cardiovascular disease or type 2 diabetes right so so I think uh, so I certainly uh, am very convinced of that the importance of this kind of thing will maintain regardless of changes in technology as as we go along um, but in terms of the direct you know evidence about the direct relationship between an expanding brain and uh, and that I'm not sure what we know about that
0: Douglas Mitchell, hi. thank you Jennifer for your uh, treatise. Um, I am speaking very partly on behalf of uh, my fellow non-engineering sitting around my table and here we are in our 90s wondering why the hell are we still here? (laughs) And uh, you've given us food for thought. Uh, One of the things we are quite concerned to get an answer on Can you uh, give us any idea of the role of music that might play in older people like us who sing or play instruments and so forth? Is there anything on on, on that? The other thing is that you touched on an international study uh, that addressed mortality figures, and you gave us no figures. Um, When we look back on on our lives, we wonder, but there's such, uh, it's a complex business, and I think kinesiology is part of this, no doubt, but there are so many other health aspects in particular and genetic and all that kind of thing, and I wonder whether you could say, how are you going to separate all these things out uh, in terms of coming to an understanding of the role of exercise in the mortality issue?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... um... The first question was about music uh, so I don't know a lot about that this is this is turning into a great question and answer period right um, but uh, certainly some of my work ha- and this is uh, I'm kind of glad you raised this actually because some of the evidence around uh, sedentary behavior and aging and health outcomes it seems like uh, and again this is potentially a research measurement and design issue but it seems as though there that not all, and I didn't have time to talk about this, I often put it in there not all sitting is the same. So all of these negative associations with health uh, are really strong uh, and really clear when you look at things like TV time But if you toss in things like ask people how much they read uh, or sew or other things that we would call cognitively engaging tasks, and I would... And so this is why I'm answering this way is because I would lump music in there. Often music is engaged in sitting, so it qualifies as sedentary behavior sometimes. Um, But yet it's cognitively engaging. And it seems like when you look at those things, the relationships are not exactly the same. So for sure we can confirm that TV seems to be the devil. Uh, And there are all kinds of possible theories and reasons uh, about that for that that I could speculate on Um, but all sitting behavior is not created equally and so this is a research interest of mine we don't know why and again it could be just um, it could be related more to a measurement issue right it's easy for people I have this theory that it's easier for people to remember how much TV they watched um, because it's in these discrete units like I watched this show or that show and so you can add those numbers up more accurately than you can things like how long did you sit in a car how long did you read your book. Um, So we don't really know why there seems to be a difference but I will tell you that there does seem to be a difference and so that these cognitively engaging uh, sedentary activities may in fact be beneficial to many outcomes. Uh, And not just cognitive outcomes but physical outcomes as well which is really interesting, right? So I think that's, uh, that's, as I said this this research area is actually in the grand scheme of things really new, right? Physical activity, you know, well I mean they've been talking about physical activity for for hundreds of years in terms of knowing it's beneficial for health but the research some of the earliest research uh, on physical activity and cardiovascular disease and this kind of thing was in you know in the 40s and the 50s you know sedentary physiology wasn't even a word until about 10 years ago so we have a long way to go I think uh, to find out more about those relationships Um, you had a second question speaking of my cognitive function Hmm. oh yeah so so mortality stuff is interesting. So, uh, I mean, this, that's epidemiological research that I'm showing you, and all-cause mortality, which is this, uh, is a very important marker in epidemiological research, basically means dying literally from anything. So uh, it's easy to measure, right? You find health records, uh, and you get really accurate and clear uh, measures and outcomes. And you know the data are compelling right so all kinds of things are associated with with all-cause mortality Um, and certainly in that way you know to answer your question is it a bit of a crude uh, measure for sure, right? It's a complex, a very complex issue. But when you analyze a number of like a million data points and see a really strong relationship, there's clearly something there. It doesn't necessarily help us understand why. That's when we have to go and do the lab, what I, you know, the experimental research and the lab-based research to try and tease out the mechanisms, which, as I said, is something I find really fascinating. But that's what gives us a starting point to say, okay, there's something there, there's some relationship, and obviously it's complex and there are many factors to consider. Um, but it's a really good tool for identifying relationships that need to be explored further. If that sort of skirts your question. Okay.
2: (coughs) Mark Gettles is my name. 10,000 steps a day. Mm -hmm. So where does that come from? Does that come from a bona fide research, or is it just something that came out there just like, sitting is the new smoking?
3: Interesting question. So uh, originally, ten thousand—I will—I'm going to admit it. Originally, ten thousand steps a day was random. Uh, Not random. I won't say random, uh, but it was not originally an evidence-based number. It was round. uh, It sounded good. uh, Not. Not. I didn't coin it, right? Somebody. I can't even remember who. Um, But originally, yeah, it became. And these things take on a life of their own, right? So probably someone suggested this. Someone out of some lab somewhere suggested this sort of casually and had no idea that it was going to become the benchmark. However, uh, subsequently, people thought, well, maybe we should study this. Uh, Maybe we should test this number and see if there's anything to it. Uh, And it's not bad, actually. So it turns out that there, I can now tell you, there's a little bit of evidence to suggest that's not a bad benchmark. Uh, More is better. uh, But 10,000 steps a day has been associated with some beneficial impact. So so that would be one that started out kind of the same way, sort of random, but turned out to be okay. Happens sometimes, right? One
4: quick question. Hi, Karen Hi. Tui. What about sitting on an exercise ball when you're at the computer?
3: Yes, so uh, in terms of the kinds of health outcomes that I've been talking about and the relationships I've been talking about, I wouldn't, I'd say the same thing that, about the kneeling. We just don't know, right? We have, nobody's really looked at that because we don't have enough data. Uh, we're not that good at measuring that at a population level. Uh, on a smaller scale, from an ergo- some of the ergonomic research has absolutely looked at that. Uh, and so, you won't be surprised to hear, there's more muscle activity when you're sitting on a ball than when you're sitting in a chair. So it's good in that way. Um, But if you do it for prolonged periods of time, it's actually associated with uh, increased risk for low back pain because it's hard to maintain proper posture in that position for a long period of time. So much like with everything that I'm saying, a little bit of that, that could be part of your not sitting in a chair time. But you certainly, that's doing that all day, you'll end up with a different set of, a different set of problems, right? So, so that could be part of your one-to-one ratio is you spend a little, a guy said, on one a little bit, um, but too long, and especially when you're doing something else, it's one thing to sit on it if that's your purpose, is to focus on contracting your core and engaging your core and, and maintaining adequate posture. But when you're actually engaged in something, inevitably what happens, right, is you start to lose good posture. And so for prolonged periods, I suspect it would be just as bad as prolonged periods of anything else, yeah.
0: Thank you very much, Jennifer. Uh, before we l- Before we let you go,